we have another exciting guest on today's show. Dan Zimborski is joining us to talk about Zips. I don't mean the Akron University mascot. I mean the baseball projection system. I had to. I, you know, I had to make the connection. Uh, we will get into so many fun things, uh, including, I already told him I'm going to mention this, the comp section that has comparison section that is for fun, but does talk about George Valera and Aaron Judge on today's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, we have a special guest on the show. And I don't know, for me personally, this is a fun one, as I've had many minor interactions with um, via Twitter, our, our guest over the years, uh, everything from one time getting a Steam code for a free game that he was giving away to, uh, I believe, Jungle Gyms was a place we had multiple discussions about in the Cincinnati area. Uh, I think I have that right. But uh, on top of all that, what he's most known for is this the Zips projection system, which, you know, Just and I both have friends in the game, around the game, through our years of writing. And, you know, this is one of the projection systems. It's one of the ones that people really look out for and pay attention to. And like I said, on top of coming up with the the system, and I don't want to mis-explain it, so I'm going to kind of cut myself off there, but just always been a very nice, kind, and fun uh, interaction on Twitter. So I, I would highly recommend, and if I was better at this, if you're not following Daniel and you're listening to this podcast, I don't know what you're doing. You're not doing this right, but I'm trying to make sure that I, I get his uh, screen name correct, at DSZM. B-O-R-S-K-I. So go follow him right now. But uh, Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. See, you mentioned Jungle Gym. So now I'm thinking of a wide, wide aisles of cheese and beer and all sorts of the hot sauce fire truck. That I have not have. been there yet. Oh, you um, have to go my, there. my wife's family's in Dayton, so I keep meeting to go. I think the next trip I'm going to take the you car and go, go you check have it to out. Go. Uh, maybe you can get them as a sponsor because we're talking a lot about them and I could sit here and, and wax, wax philosophic about them is, uh, yeah, I was, I've, I've heard about you through them like multiple times and I'm like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. So next time I think I'm like, that's, that's the plan. Uh, you know, nothing else in Dayton, uh, just going to make sure I finally make it there after, after many years. I've also had good interactions on Twitter with Dan, but also in person when Dan, when you were in, Cleveland for the all-star uh, festivities in 2019 at the, I, I don't even know. I can't remember where it was. It was some sort of speakeasy. Like I'm, I'm the Clevelander here and I don't even know where we were, but uh, it was you and Eric and Kylie and Meg. And I think Jake Schusterman. Were you involved there. in a conversation where we were talking about riverboat gambling at the end? I probably was. I, I, at that, I at that point of the night, I it was or the casino or something. Uh, I had a lot of dark and stormies at that point, or darks and stormies. I'm not sure what the what the plural of that is, uh, but Dave did pay for our bar, so <laughs> I was drinking them all night, and uh, people were giving me dark and stormies all night, uh, and 
So I was I was pretty plastered. I, I skipped breakfast the next day because I was I was I, I was pretty pretty sick the next day, and I'm rarely sick when I drink. But uh, I had like 15, which is a little too many in a three hour period for me. Uh, I <laughs> I had a little trouble uh, getting my Uber because the guy wanted to know where I was, and I'm like I'm just I'm just a drunk man standing looking dazed in a in the street. And he found me. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I had too much at that point too. It's uh, I, the conversation could have gone any any number of ways at that point, but I wanted to ask if you had enjoyed your your stay up here that week. Oh, it was fun. I would have liked to have stayed longer, uh, especially because I spent about a day of it kind of sick. Uh, <laughs> but I mean that 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 that's what happens. Uh, uh, you know what you know, you know what Hedberg says. If you, you don't worry about what happens later, because the beginning in the middle was terrific. Uh, and it was. We had a lot of fun. the 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 game was fun. Uh, the uh, the The panel was a lot of fun. It's always fun being around people who like Fangraphs and are interested in our work. Uh, and uh, no, that was a lot of fun. I I I missed panels because we didn't have them for a couple years because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm hoping to be able to, that we can do more of these types of activities again. Let's see. I would I would follow Dan on Twitter even if it wasn't for baseball because I, I enjoy Dan's. Posting of cats, which I know we're, we're probably going to talk about at some point, but also the uh, the horrendous like '80s, '70s cookbook pictures of random recipes, and he believes that beans don't belong in chili. Oh, be- no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beans do not belong in chili. It's, yes. See, you're really going to get me off here because beans. <laughs> I mean, chili is is meat and chili peppers. And like some seasoning, and like a little bit of corn flour, a little bit of uh, masa harina, but and that's it. That is the pureness <laughs> of chili. I will, I will follow anybody that agrees with me that Skyline's awful. So Ugh. that works for me. I know it's an unpopular, unpopular opinion, but I will follow anybody who says Skyline is terrible. Yeah, see, you're side, see, I'm near Cincinnati. I'm between Dayton and Cincinnati, a little closer to Dayton than Cincinnati. Uh, your side of the state is better. Because it's the farthest away from the chili. <laughs> I know, it's going to get you in trouble in your hometown. <laughs> That's okay. They're still mad at me that I uh, I kind of didn't vote for Jonathan India first last year for the Rookie of the Year. And I denied him the unanimous award oh, as man. the Cincinnati Baseball Writers Association member. <laughs> Oops. I, I just enjoy the fact like Justin was really excited yesterday to tell me about how he planned to talk to you about like chili. Like this was something <laughs> even more so I think than discussing the, the zips projection or any of the players or baseball in general. He was like, I'm going to talk to him about beans and chili. <laughs> See, I, 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 I talk about baseball. I talk about a ton of baseball, but I don't just talk about baseball. And unlike, you know, other writers, I'm not berating them about like politics and stuff. I'm staying out of that stuff. I just, have my little corner of weirdness, you know, chili and cats and and video game references and bad Gen X jokes and uh, neural the, network photos and text. I was gonna say all of your like mock up pictures have been great of late. Those I I'm not entirely sure because again I'm not always the best with um, knowing things, but like I just see you when you start putting together these like like the ones you've been doing of like 
you know, all sorts of different things. I am so awesome with descriptors today, but like, was it, uh, somebody is like a lion was one of the ones today. Yeah. Or... Uh, because the, the, they had that lion die and I saw someone's tweet about how Los Angeles had just lost Justin Turner and the lion. So I just made a mountain lion version of Justin Turner, which was cringy <laughs> because that's the best part about the photo. I, the, the, the art AIs or the text AIs is, it's not that they're perfect, because if they were perfect, they'd be boring. It's that they're not perfect that makes them fun. Uh, that, that makes them look ridiculous. Uh, so it... I, I, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by that stuff, which is not surprising. I'm someone who, you know, a large part of my writing uses algorithms that I develop. So I'm highly interested in that kind of thing. It's all kind of in the same field as predictive modeling. It's just predicting text instead of baseball projections. Uh, and it's probably more useful to project text and and photographs and artwork than the very niche product of baseball projections uh but that is where i found myself professionally no i like i said i know we haven't even gotten into the baseball of it yet as we did the end of segment one i, I, I did segue us into i know i know but, but we, uh but we i guess topic. i guess this is like our way of saying that we are fans of the whole the whole <laughs> enchilada of things you do and uh we appreciate yes. having you on uh we're gonna take our first break here uh and then we will talk baseball i promise you we'll talk <laughs> baseball uh you want some baseball if you're listening as we started recording i think it says we're recording brandon Drury just signed with the angels so that's that's one less person that guardians fans have been asking us about uh but there's a chance that my twitter is just like massively delayed because we all know what twitter has been like of late uh but first, let's take a quick sponsor break here. And I got to put up our handy dandy little thing to talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. As I like to say, a Rushmore sponsor on this very show, one of those who've been with us almost every single day, it feels like, for the past two to three years. Uh, they're your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to be- basketball. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not the World Cup, but I'm sure they did have that at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those there as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, remember to go and check them out for all those things that you need. Uh, I like to use them as one of my many places to look at what gambling odds are, not even for gambling, but just for projection of how things are going to go. Uh, and now I promise we'll talk about baseball and there is our first cat interruption as well. Perfect timing, uh, as that cat will now sit on my secondary screen and ruin everything I've been trying to produce there. So I crossed off my bingo card. So we're good. you crossed off. Yeah. So now I just got to interrupt you and cough into the mic and we're halfway there. <laughs> um, so the, the guardian zips came out and let's just start there. Many of our fans get mad when, we don't explain things well enough or when I make the assumption that people know what like war is or like what batting average is. I mean, maybe not batting average, but it feels like it sometimes. Can you, how would you like elevator pitch explain zips to maybe someone who isn't familiar? I don't think you can really elevator pitch it because it's kind of gotten a big, it's a big massive thing that has, has grown uh, incredibly. I guess my, my too long didn't read version uh, is it's a computer projection system. It has no personal input for me. So it represents none of my opinion, other than, of course, the opinions of 
what I researched to build the, the, the set of algorithms. Uh, similar to kind of like how hurricanes are projected, meteorolo meteorological forecasting, Zips basically establishes a baseline for a player. Uh, it does it through stats from recent years, characteristics of the player, uh, a lot of adjustments for the stat cast type of data that is available out there. Uh, it compares players to a large cohort of similar players. So when you see a comp for X player, it's comparing that baseline for that X player against every other baseline for every other player in the database. Uh, so if you're projecting Jose Ramirez, it starts with his baseline and it assembles a big cohort of guys who have similar baselines at similar portions of their career. Uh, for hitters, it's about 170,000 baselines. For pitchers, about 140,000 uh, different baselines of just player and year. Uh, and then it uses kind of the cohort, very large group of players that have roughly similar characteristics, and it charts out the future based on what was observed in the past. Because realistically, all we have, all we know about baseball is what's happened in baseball. There's no um, experimental evidence of baseball. You can't simulate a million years of, of a player's career. You can't put them in a test tube. Uh, uh, I think the Players Association would be pretty upset if you were simulating a player for a million years if that was possible <laughs> uh so it, it uses history as a guide and it makes cutting through the fog just a little bit better uh even our our best projections are going to have huge error bars but i do think that the projections are useful to people i try to work on things that people are interested in uh because i mean it baseball is an entertainment product and anything that helps that uh, even with a lot of math involved, as long as they don't have to do the math, is generally welcomed by people. Uh, and of course, people bet, people play fantasy leagues. There's a lot of ways you can use this stuff. And I try to center zips around kind of an approach where it's useful for people. Uh, because they, as the old saying is, there's all models are wrong, but some are useful. See, I got into baseball. I, I wanted to get into baseball writing because I was told there would be no math, but... Uh... Dan has brought the math, so that's fine. As long as somebody else does the math. Yeah, I'm not I'm, making anyone I'm do fine. the math. I don't want everyone to do the math because then I have more competitors. <laughs> if, if, if I was the only one who did math, I'd be the gatekeeper. I would be the, <laughs> the lord of baseball math. Uh, so so I'm, I'm perfectly fine doing the math. It, that's See, cool. Just, Justin, that's why we work, because I was the one who, like at the age of 10, didn't know there was such a thing as Stratomatic and invented something that was like 70% of the way there to play by myself <laughs> involving dice as random number generators and who uh, who would tape all of the statistics from the Sunday Beacon Journal to my wall instead of like pictures of girls or like sports figures. I, I literally had the, the stat section uh, on the wall. So, uh, yeah, that's, hey, that's you know. That's the kind of stuff I did, too. It was a lot of fun. Although my little baseball sim when I was a kid, I never really quite figured out batter picture interaction. I kind of took the approach where yeah. it would be the batter's card half the time, the picture's card half the time, which a lot of them do. But it wasn't my most involved simulation. Uh, my friend Alan always hated playing like action figures with me because I kind of made a system for that uh, for G.I. Joe's. I did for Ninja Turtles. Uh, yeah, it's the better. same thing. It's like I set up like an AD&D type uh, system where you had to roll, uh, you know, you roll for your terrain based on where the G.I. Joe is. They all had stats and weapon strength and ammo. And 
he always hated playing G.I. Joe's with me or, or Transformers because I would try to nerd it up somehow. I couldn't just play the game. I couldn't just play Transformers. Yeah, I, I basically brought it in a degree of armor class with Ninja Turtles. Like, okay, this guy uses this weapon. What is the likelihood he could actually get now, through who, the, the armor who, of this character? Do you still remember your relative stats for the Ninja Turtles? I feel like part of it was like, I can tell you right now, like Manta Ray was overpowered. And part of the reason for that, to go really nerdy here, was that was like an impossible to track down character for a long time. Uh, it was really hard to find. So I ended up making him super powerful to like make that payoff of like looking for like a year and a half to find him worth it. Uh, so I, I do distinctly remember Manta Ray was like, oh, well, he can get you with his tail. He's really fat. I'm like, I don't even know if that guy appeared in an episode I watched, but I, I made up a, a good backstory to make that chase of that figure worthwhile. Um, and then you had to make like Mausers, like just repeatable, like, okay, there's, there's one, but it counts for like 50, uh, type of situation. Did, did, so. did, do you remember if you had different stats for Max Baxter as a scientist and Max Baxter, Baxter as the fly? I only had him as a fly and didn't have him in another form, but I did have got like, I, I, I went, I found the mother load of those recently. So I went through and like, I had every variant. So like, I have like the sports Ninja Turtles, maybe someday I'll like, so I should set up in the background is like Michelangelo playing baseball. I've got that. So those guys were weaker for some reason. I decided since they didn't have like weapons, the sports guys. Well, yeah. I mean, good. if you have um, a sharp, I can understand with Michelangelo because he, he's kind of have like two bats, two little mini bats. Like if you took two souvenir bats from the baseball game and chained them together, you're kind of uh, Michelangelo. But you can understand, like like Leonardo, uh, a baseball bat. I, I I strongly believe is a significant downgrade from a sword, from a katana. I you know I I, I agree. No, I. I mean, I if you're fighting don't. someone in an alley, in a weird weird fight, and you have to choose between having a staff or a baseball bat and a and a katana, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna take the thing with the sharp edge. No, 100%. Wouldn't you just give the uh, the bat to Raph? I mean, he did kind of go crumpet on Casey Jones. So, I mean, he would know how to use that. (laughs) That was my only, my only part, my only, uh, ability to contribute to that conversation is how how many times I saw that. Uh, Well, I think, I think we warned we, we would, we would get into the weeds on various things. Um, Yeah, it's uh no, but like I remember doing all of that. I like my first attempt at a metric that I put together that was it was an utter failure was trying to figure out like college to NFL quarterback success. And instead, all I found was a reliable way to predict failure uh, instead of success. It was like that. That's how this works. I but took that, in- that is still useful information of predicting failure. Uh, you think of think of the NFL as kind of an attrition sport. Yes. Where you're just predicting when people will fail either physically or or yeah. uh, as players uh, i i have tinkered with football projections and then they're a nightmare actually tinkered a little bit uh with them when i was at espn uh but kind of the thing that nobody really liked was that you'd basically realistically because of injuries you would never like predict a running back to start more than 12 games in the season going into a season and people aren't used to seeing that when they do their fantasy leagues. They're used to seeing like all their running backs, 16 starts, 1,350 yards. It's like, that's not the main projection. <laughs> um, like, the main okay, projection just... for like leading the league should be like 1,076 or something because yards, because that's the injury rate of running backs, which is extremely high. And really, any player, uh, I mean, quarterbacks were somewhat safer, but. But still, the, the, I don't know if yeah. the NFL is ready for those kinds of projections yet. 
ahead of the curve on that one, I would say. Um, real quickly, I know we gotta gotta throw it to a break here in a second, but uh, talking about re- you know regression to the mean here. I know people are going to ask about Stephen Kwan and how you know Zips are is down on Kwan a little bit, but you also wrote, you know, his projection was pretty good last year, and I think you said most people would have taken the under of what his projection was last year. So I don't know. I I don't want to ask you to give away in the secret sauce or how deep you can go, but I'll give away some secret sauce. Oh, I uh, mean, what, it, what it comes down hmm. to is you look at the curve of 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 Kwan's projections, and the thing about Kwan is at least in the projections. Uh, the ceiling isn't super high simply because he doesn't have a lot of power to add and he plays a corner outfield position. So there's only so high realistically he can he can go as a corner outfielder. Uh, I mean, it's hard to be, you know, a, a plus 20 defender in left field. It's hard to be a top offensive player in left without a lot of home runs because the other left fielders are hitting home runs. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it a bad projection by any means. It's projecting to be a really solid player. We're still he's still at the at the place where he's establishing himself. Just how much contact can he maintain uh, and can he do maintain that contact without the high batting averages with, you know, not a crazy batting averages and balls in play. Now, he's better than David Fletcher ever was. So I don't want to necessarily people say he's, he's projected like David Fletcher. Uh, but the thing about Fletcher is there was always a, that risk with Fletcher because he didn't make hard contact that if he fell off he could fall off hard and that is kind of what happened with Fletcher I love Quan he's kind of a throwback in a way he's a very non 2022 type player so that, that makes him a lot of fun uh, but I don't think that right now he has the the background and, and necessarily the upside yet for Zips to say hey he's a four or five win a year player uh, and I, I kind of had this argument every year with, you know, five or six guys. Last year, it was Brian Reynolds and, and Cedric Mullins uh, because people will always say, OK, well, this time is different. And then you have to say, OK, but why? Why is it not different in this case than it was in a million other cases? Quan's uh, a really good player, and there's no reason that the, that, that the Guardians should be worrying about him. It just generally speaking, you do take a step back when you take a big step forward. Uh, and I had a discussion, I forget who it was with, it might have been one of you, or, uh, about Jose Ramirez. Uh, I think that possibly you guys are, some people got a little spoiled because Ramirez's pattern of continual improvement was actually fairly unusual and, and fairly special. It's hard to like improve on a line the way that he did. Development is never linear, as we know. No. Yes. he's. It's messy. Yes, he's he's an interesting one. I have to before we go to break, I have to ask about another rookie on this team, just because um, I don't think I have taken more hate for a stance than my Oscar Gonzalez is not a sure thing stance. Uh, I'm kind of curious. I to me, I thought Zips at a 100 runs created plus actually liked him. Uh, like to me, that's a like because he feels like a very odd profile, even at the best of times. Like I can't find a lot of guys that kind of mirror the complete free swingerness, but also like I'm trying to remember if his chase rate wasn't bad or something. Like he had one area. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. It was, it was, it would have been, would have been as bad as Javi Baez if he qualified. Okay. So the chase rate was bad, but he did something kind of, I don't know. It maybe it was just contact rate, but he, feels like with the extreme low walk i mean it almost feels like he makes javi baez feel selective at points uh 
you know, I've just, I, I got to ask about Oscar is a player like him. Is it extreme variance in a system like this when you run that many things or is it kind of, you know, and it, am I wrong or is he uh, not that unusual anymore? Well, he, well, the degree of his, his, his contact when you get into the Javier Baez territory, even that's, pretty unusual uh because there's there there are degrees of contact territory i mean he wasn't as bad as javier baez in a contact way it was more in an aggression way uh and i think the problem with gonzalez is he doesn't really have a ton of power uh so the payoff for the contact isn't necessarily massive and again i think that that kind of hurts his upside a bit uh steamer actually liked him quite a bit better than zips did so at least for uh him uh, you you could take the steamer side, but then you lose some other players. You can't you can't always pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Zips does have some skepticism yeah. about him. Uh, his comps are all over the place. Uh, you have some really good players. Uh, like uh, I'm looking at him right now, uh, and Roberto Clemente is on his list, number twenty six. <laughs> uh, this, of course, compared him to kind of the early days in his career when he was very undisciplined and he was still going as Bobby Clemente at that point. Uh, Harry Hyman's on that list, Adam Jones, but there's a lot of guys who did not really pan out. Uh, uh, Keith Lampard's at the top, Gordy Coleman. Uh, Ricky Jordan makes sense. Now that I'm looking at the numbers, I remembered him. So that's why I immediately like clicked on him, uh, from the listing. But I'm like, Oh, Andy Costco, uh, I'm trying to remember. I actually, I actually don't know Andy Costco at all. It's beyond his name. Um, he actually was better than I remembered. But he's going to carry a low on base percentage in all likelihood, except the years he hits 320, and that's hard to maintain in in 2022. It's hard to be a 300 hitter every year. Uh, so I'm probably going to get charges blasphemy too. Uh, but I, I definitely see a, a kind of a fallback in Zips does to a degree. But again, Steamer is more optimistic about it than I am. Steamer really likes the Guardians. Like I was kind of blown away mm-hmm. by some of the the projections. Uh, like even in the like Will Brennan was like almost a one ten runs creative plus. I think it's Steamer over a hundred. It's it's there were some interesting ones there. We should take break number three. I still haven't asked about um, Valera. So if you've been waiting for that, I promise that'll come up in segment three. But first, a quick note from our sponsors. And we are back uh, from that quick note from sponsors. So let's just let's just go with Valera. Uh, You know, (laughs) a people I want to state this so people understand these are not like he's going to be these guys. These are similar profiles that come up through the system, as you talked about. Uh, but Valera is one that you, is fun to look at um, just because it's it's what it's uh, D- Dwight Evans, Aaron Judge, and then Ken Henderson, who I was not familiar with, but I went and looked up. And you see those two names at the top of the list. That's certainly going to make you do a double take. Yeah, Ken Henderson um, uh, was actually a, a pretty solid player for a while. Uh, I think what what people do need to kind of when they when they see those names like that take into consideration is one the specific names aren't really that important. It's fun to see who's the most comparable, but I can't really just post seven hundred guys for every 
projection. Like every that that would I I, I think Meg would be very upset with me if I posted <laughs> 700 comps for everyone. Uh, and it's all, but it's also important to remember that these aren't comps of what is projected to be his projection in the future. It's players with similar baselines at that point in their careers. Aaron Judge was not a huge prospect, and he was not a finished product at that point in his career. You look back on Dwight Evans, and he was someone who was a much better player in his 30s than he was in his 20s. He kind of got it later. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean just even having those names that, that it's necessarily a good thing. And if you look at, if you go farther down the list, like Valera, there's, there's quite uh, an assortment of players there. You have Cliff Floyd and Ken Singleton and Jay Buhner, a lot of good hitters, but also some guys that you wouldn't like Craig Kasek, who I don't actually know who that is. Uh, I, I'm actually Googling him right now. Uh, actually, Craig Kasek's an interesting player who I do want to know more about because he looks a lot like uh, a late 70s Ken Phelps all-star guy. He had a 400 on base percentage in the minors and only got seven games in the majors. But I don't think that people are that interested in uh, a Pirates minor leaguer from 40 years ago. Uh, I think my other fun one going through was uh, was Mikhail Ramirez. My cat, I'm not a guy I'm not even familiar with just because I, I think he had the best name comps with number one being Doc Doyle and number two being Red Rambo. Like I, I thought, do you still occasionally put fake names in here? I thought for sure Red Rambo was a fake name when I saw that. And then I, I, I haven't put any fake names in this year. I do sometimes. I'll I'll put in one, uh, like for the uh, for the for the uh, like for the batter uh, for the for the for the player Dylan Thomas. Uh, I put in other poets one year, uh, and and. Uh, one of one of the running jokes is there's no one now left to do it, but I always had Tyler Holt capitalized like Steve Holt from Arrested Development. Uh, so there's Tyler Holt, Brock Holt, and and uh, uh, Sean Wooten. I always had with two zeros for his name because Woot the <laughs> speak. Uh, very very Gen X jokey about it. Uh, now one thing I still do is that. Uh, people will see certain players show up as comps and draw the wrong conclusion about the player because they forget that more than one player had that name. I had that problem with Bob Gibson's for a while because Bob Gibson, nondescript <laughs> 80s reliever, showed up on the top three comps pretty regularly for, for pictures. And, of course, there was always someone in the comments who would say, Bob Gibson, that doesn't seem right. It's like, no, there, there was another Bob Gibson. There was another Frank Thomas. There were two Jeff Robinsons, and so they all have, you know, I've had to change their names. You have not that Bob Gibson or other Frank Thomas, or I'm not sure which Jeff Robinson this is. Uh, just little jokes. I, I try to sneak kind of a, a weird joke into most things I do because baseball is fun and writing about baseball is fun. And I like to have a little fun for, for someone who uses a lot of math in baseball writing. I'm not a very serious person. I'm 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 kind of a silly person. I'm not very mature for a forty-four <laughs> year old. I enjoyed the other the, the uh, when they released the preview. It just said other nailer catcher. I'm like that was pretty. I mean, not not like overly humorous like the rest of the ones you're just talking about. But I, yeah, I, I just I just didn't want to put first names on the 
on the uh, on the graphic because I don't usually do that. So I just put I mean, just the other nailer. And then I thought, okay, well, then over here on DH, I'll just put first the, the original nailer. But then I thought then the people will get start getting confused. And so I just left it like that. Like Only for both the, on Logan Allens had made the team. I know, um, I know. I, I actually posted the correct Allen uh, in, 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 in Twitter. Which people can check uh, if, well, by the time they listen to this, I actually projected the wrong Logan Allen uh, accidentally. I forgot oh. that I changed this one to Logan T. Allen in my database so that it would call up the right name. See, I was trying uh, to get people to do Logan Allen the Elder and Logan Allen the Younger, but no one would get behind that. With I, I actually like that. I could, I yeah. could have thought that in the future. <laughs> no, Logan idea. Allen, yeah, that uh, the one in Cleveland is now Yogan. Yogan, nope. Logan Allen the Younger, and then we had Logan Allen the Elder, who is. is he so, so some of the name coincidences are always weird in baseball. There were two Jeff D'Amico's at the same time, roughly the same yeah. quality, and I mean they weren't related or anything. I mean a lot of times you see like names repeat in history but it's because it's father and son uh what, oh, yeah. what's what's always bothered me is that alan ashby and andy ashby were not related <laughs> i think at points in my head i assume they were brothers maybe it was just like as a child i'm like yeah aren't they wait because alan no that's not what i'm thinking i'm thinking of uh venice the venice was aren't those yeah. alan and andy as well yeah yeah there's 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 a <laughs> Uh, Andy Venice and Alan Venice, right? Those were. The- I think they were related. They were brothers. That, that's what yeah, I was thinking. I, I went to the wrong one instead of Ash. I went to the B's instead of the A's. Um, now I tried to convince someone on on uh, Usenet in the '90s that just to get them angry with me, I would tell them that Cal Ripken and Bill Ripken aren't related, <laughs> and he would find like links to articles referring to them as brothers, and I would just say, "Oh no, that was that was a mistake. People just assume that they're brothers." Just, just to be, just to troll this guy because I didn't know I was going to write in baseball for a living, and that I'd have to reflect on trolling people meanly in twenty-five god years ago. People did that a lot with what Justice Sheffield thinking Gary Sheffield. He was related to Gary Sheffield, and that that made its way around the internet for quite a while, but was quickly dispelled. But people tried to make that a thing. No, I yes, I would definitely remember that. I'm trying to remember there was someone who had a very unusual name that I interviewed who was a college player. I'm like, no, I'm not related to that guy, but I unfortunately have now talked to so many random college uh, players over the years. I've forgotten who that is. Uh, I know we wanted to also bother you. You've already taken so much of your time. Nick Enright was one of those names that, that jumped for us. Uh, it, according to, to zips, uh, Cleveland made a, a bit of a mistake, not, uh, not protecting him. Oh no. Zips, zips was into Enright. Uh, Having a, I mean, he struck out, you know, 12 batters a game uh, uh, at double A and triple A. And as we've talked about, I don't remember if we talked about it yet, but offense in the minors has exploded the last few years. Uh, you have the, the Pacific Coast League scoring nearly six runs a game. Uh, that, those are levels not seen since the 80s when they still had a park in Denver. Uh, and pretty much all the PCL parks were like at high elevations. Uh, offense has blown up in the minors to the same degree that it's disappeared in the majors to the extent that the minor league translations for some pictures, their ERAs actually go down when you look at them in the majors simply wow. because, I mean, generally speaking, you're talking about a, about a, like a 15 to 20% difference in level strength. 
but the difference in offense between the leagues is that large now. Uh, so if you're moving someone from, say, a, a hitter's park uh, to, say, Seattle or something, you actually expect their ERA to be better than it was in the Pacific Coast League. Uh, and that Enright was very successful uh, in, in, in the minors is a pretty big deal. Uh, he's definitely someone that I would want on my team. And if I was a GM, because the team made a very poor decision to make me a GM, I would definitely be, be trying to call about him. Yeah, with the, yeah, uh, the Mar- Marlins did. Well, they call his yeah, name in the Rule 5 draft. Five. Yeah, so. But their bullpen has enough issues that like, I think we've both been like, well, darn it. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, not gonna, yeah. They're not going to have a lot of leads to protect because the Marlins offense is really awful. It's weird. It was, uh, and then I know uh, I, had, I had two other guys relief wise. I wanted to bother you about one of the minors, one of the majors, and I'll let Justin speak. I know somewhere someone's already writing an angry comment. Um, <laughs> Someone's but... always angry at me at all times. It's it's one of the things I had to kind of learn while I was working for ESPN because uh, I increased my profile and increased the people who were mad at me. So <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm kind of used to it by now. Well, as on this podcast, I'm the one who gets the uh, I, I'm the 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 Bayless, I guess I'm the disliked one here, but uh, it's not that bad. Most people, most when people I, understand that we're the first very time. I went to visit ESPN. Uh, this was in 2011. Uh, first time I had been called into the office. Uh, my sister asked me if I was there, if I could punch skip Bayless. I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't actually do that because uh, they value him more than they value me. And I, should not be punching the employees. I'm, I was always the guy there who got, who got along with other writers and editors and didn't have any drama. Uh, so no, sorry, Meg, no punches. I got to ask though. I guess, you know, it's, that's, that's the way I mean, it was, it was a reasonable thing to ask, but I, I couldn't do that. So I thought uh, in your write-up was interesting that just how high zips is on class a uh, throughout the year. I felt like, you know, one could make a case that, he's an underrated reliever because the name isn't as big, but um, just how much, I, I mean, it seems like the answer is all, but it, it, how bought in is, is zips on class a is being able to maintain. I mean, he said what Nira over one and a half the last two years. It seems impossible to keep anything like that going. Well, let's put it this way. Zips has him with the lowest rest of career projected ERA of any picture in baseball. Obviously it's not going to be as valuable as say uh, a starting picture, who's just a little worse at allowing runs, but Zips at least thinks that class a is the best reliever in baseball. And given his age, he's just going to be 25 for the, for 2023 that he has a good shot at being one of the best relievers of this generation. Uh, so, and also it, it sounds almost French. Cause you know, you'd say something's classe or de classe. <laughs> It, it, so it is yeah. the number of people who say Clace, uh, and I, I know I'm not, I can't make fun of anyone's pronunciation, so I'll just, I'll leave it at that. It's interesting. Pronunciations it, are hard, because they're... you have things like different players saying the, the same name differently. Greg Gagne and Eric Gagne, uh, and you have, of course, the, the various Lowe's and the Lau of the Rays. I'm still not sure who, which one Lau is, and if the one that's gone is a low or a low or so I just call them low low because I don't know which one's which and like Jonathan scope, his name looks like shoop. It's it's it's, (laughs) names are difficult. And when you have, you know, 
3,000 players to know in any given year uh, or so, and a lot of them changing every year. It, it does sometimes, you do sometimes get different pronunciations. Broadcasters certainly don't help. I remember during the one playoffs where Anibal Sanchez was Annabelle Sanchez. Like, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't pronounce his name Annabelle. Uh, and <laughs> That'd be kind of awesome if he did, though. It would be. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you have Louis Robert, Luis Robert, Louis Robert, Lou Bob, which, which has become his nickname. It's Names are tricky. I think as long as you're being fair to the player overall, I think, generally speaking, as long as you're trying, they're generally forgiving about things. No, I'd agree with that. The uh, Before I, I, I give up the mic here again, because this is a rare opportunity, uh, one of our, I think, just nice favorite sleepers in the system in terms of relief is Cade Smith. And he had some fun comps. He had some interesting, like, uh, 80th percentile war outcomes. I know I'm really asking you about a guy who's way off the map here, but as a <laughs> kid who was who was undrafted, I, I Justin and I literally had this discussion, I think, yesterday or two days ago about how we both like Smith. So I thought I would take a chance since you're one of the few people who actually has like projections at that level on a player like that, at least for relative things. He's like one of those guys where he needs to lose a walk or two a game. That's as simple as that. And a lot of these guys, it never actually happens. But the fact is, if you can, if you can get guys to swing and miss, then you have something going for you. And that, that has potential. The Astros have kind of built a pitching staff based on having pitchers in the low minors who could get batters to swing and miss and had a lot of other flaws and fix them all. And most every team tries to do that, but the Astros actually did. Uh, so you take a guy who has interesting tools. He can get pictures, get batters to swing and miss. There's like always going to be a chance that he's going to figure it out. Uh, it's, but if you're not fooling double A batters, if you're striking out six guys a game in double A, there's only so much control you're going to have to get over the fact that you're not really fooling batters who are much, much worse than major league batters. So, yes, I know it's cliche, but strikeout rate is huge. Mm -hmm. And any picture with a good strikeout rate in the minors, I keep promoting them and make them prove that they can't do it, no matter how they're getting guys out. Maybe someone has a wicked changeup that and not a great fastball, but they're fooling batters. And on some level, you have to appreciate that and give those players every opportunity to succeed. Oh, that makes I sense. Would, I'd have to agree. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this isn't really well. Yes, it is. Okay, so I, the second one will be stats adjacent. But uh, have you had to do any input changes based on, or or have you even considered based on the elimination of the shift? Is that oh, factored would... in at all? I would love to do that, but I can't, unfortunately, because even though we because there's, there's, a, there's a number of problems with trying to guess this, because I don't like doing things that are just my guesses. Uh, when Zips does everything, everything's tested, is working. There's extensive uh, cross validation. Uh, and I study these things. And that was very hard, for example, in 2020 trying to project plays for 2021 i did kind of have to make an educated guess but i talked with people my exact approach going with that with shifts the problem is that shift versus no shift the data are very very noisy uh it's the same like with platoon splits and even home road data these you need a lot of numbers to make shift versus no shift data to be generally meaningful 
so you get a situation where it is for a few guys. Uh, the other thing is, I don't think that teams are actually going to go back to a traditional everybody stand out there like it's 1975 configuration. I think they're going to shift as much as they can. Uh, having a guy like, you know, right at second base where he's allowed to be just right on the edge of the bag on the other side, which you're allowed to do. Uh, and we don't really have data for how they hit in, in, in that situation. Like we can look up Joey Gallo versus the shift and versus like standard shift and no shift, but we don't really have Joey Gallo in possible 2023 shift. Uh, so the actual relevant data they don't even exist. We have similar data for similar concepts. Uh, so it's an additional leap to going that going forward. It's just one of those things that is kind of out there in the ether that we can't really model until we have more of an idea of what the consequences are. Now, see, that's a great answer because I, in my mind, I think people overlooked that. I, I, and I even overlooked it, that people aren't just going to stand where they normally would stand on a baseball diagram. They're still going to be, Different yeah, chest pieces in different places. Yeah, you're going to have, they're just not going to shift as, as far as they would like to. Uh, and I know people like want everything to be in a projection, but I try to project things and use things that make the tool useful to people. Uh, if I'm just making stuff up, it's it's not useful. And, it, and just pretending that I know something that I don't, like how the size of the bases will affect things. Uh, will they start to steal as aggressively in the majors as they did in the minors? These kinds of things are pretty much just complete unknowns at this point. And I don't want to use a tool in a way that a tool doesn't work for. I mean, if you are trying to fix a window and all you have is a hammer, the hammer is still not a good idea. Uh, I, I assume I've never actually fixed the window. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, you just break it more with the hammer, I would assume. And then, yeah, I would kill the glass, but. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you have to hammer the nails into the frame. Uh, I don't know. The 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 uh, the window specialist can write in and complain. <laughs> Hopefully, one of your sponsor isn't a window uh, treatment place. Not never, yet. never had a window one, as far as I I know. Um, I was going to yeah. ask about X stats too. I don't. <clears throat> do you use any of that of the X stats in there too? Because one of my things with that is I always find it to be. It's a good. It's a good way to tell us what didn't happen i i always wonder is it really a good predictor of what is going to happen if like because we always assume things are going to even out right like that's that's how i think people want to look at it but i don't think that's always true so i don't know how much do you use x stats at all uh zips has or, its own version which i call z stats uh mm -hmm. i'll let listeners guess what the z stands for um that that it is predictive i've outlined it in articles where i've talked about it uh, i've never done like one treatment where i just talk about it so it's kind of scattered around uh and zips will use that to assist in the baseline it doesn't just assume the z stats are correct it mixes in the z stats with a player's history a player's history of of exceeding or falling short of the z stats and it kind of regresses it towards uh, a thing it does the same thing with defense where Zips doesn't purely use FIP the way Fangraphs War does. Uh, so it, it's generally a conservative approach to it, but it, but it is useful. Uh, for example, uh, the Zips version for home run, Z home run, is far more predictive of future picture home run rates than either using actual home run rate or just assuming league average, which is kind of the XFIP approach. It, it enables us to have a third way and kind of 
regress pictures in the right direction. Uh, I think a good example of that is Corbin Burns back in um, all the years run together now. 2020 was the year. No, 2019 was the year he allowed 17 home runs in 49 innings. And Zips gave him a, a solid projection for the following year. And everyone said, you know, or a lot of people said, but 17 home runs. I'm like, yeah, but what? Home runs are very volatile. Zips only thought that he should have allowed eight home runs based on his hit data that year. Uh, and so given his short history, uh, Zips assumed that that was closer. And it was right in that case. Uh, some things it, it, it has a smaller weighting because it's not quite as predictive. Uh, but it's just Zips uses its Z stats to kind of just get that baseline into the the best predictive the best predictive uh where it should be before you start comparing it to other players and jeff i was just going to ask real quick because we've already gone longer than we normally would be told to go but uh i want to guess too yes it's, it's okay and it's it's a good guess so uh i know just in general everyone's going to look at josh bell uh, well, I also see that, that Zips has Mike Zanino yeah. not playing as many Zips games. Zips not as... like Josh Bell at all. Yeah. Zips saw the drop-off <laughs> of that exit velocity and the fact that he's not really a – I mean, he's kind of a ground ball hitter uh, and is just not really impressed with him. That's another place where you would prefer Steamer to Zips for sure. Mm-hmm. The Zips did like Zanino. Like that's, I mean, relative, but I, I feel like if he can approach a, you know, a, a 100 yes, OPS he, plus, that's People have to decide which set they'll take. Yeah. You can't keep <laughs> Zanino for, if you, you have to pick like the one slate or the other slate. You can't just, you if you don't like Zips, that's fine, but then you don't get the Zanino projection and you don't get the, uh, the like the Tristan McKenzie projection, which Zips likes him a lot more than Steamer does. Uh, Generally speaking, Zips and Steamer are fairly close on most players, uh, but the ones that where they kind of separate are always the most interesting to look at later. Have you? I, I doubt you have yet because there's still a lot of offseason to go. But the the way to or the absurdly preliminary uh, projected standings had Cleveland 82 and 80 winning the Central by a game. Now, obviously, that's before they signed Josh Bell. Even though you know Zips doesn't really love Josh Bell, they haven't done anything. But obviously. I think at that point you are also projecting Carlos Correa to be somewhere else. Do you have any any thoughts on how that might change uh, as we get closer to the end the, of the offseason? The last time I ran it, it uh, Cleveland had actually gone up considerably. Uh, even though Bell doesn't have a great projection, Zips projects Bell better than the likely replacements would have been. Uh, and it's the same with catcher. Catch, the catcher projection has improved considerably. Uh simply because it zips like Zanino and I, uh, some of the playing time assumptions had kind of changed in a good Cleveland direction. Uh, so last I checked, uh, it had Cleveland up around 87, 88 wins, uh, hmm. which of course is preferable. Um, yes. right now zips projects Cleveland to be the favorite, but not an overwhelming favorite to win the division. Uh, the fact is, I mean, the white Sox did add Andrew Benintendi, which is a good pickup for them, but it's a very, unambitious team that it kind of feels like their window is closing quicker than either the twins or the guardians because uh, the guardians have much better reinforcements than the white Sox do. Yeah. The white Sox it's, we've it's talked a- about on this show, 
will be nice. Um, uh, yeah, it, it feels a little tapped out uh, with both prospects and maybe spending in spite of their, their market. Yeah, I know they, as my friends who are White Sox fans are always kind of appalled at the mid-market play of that management and maybe I was surprised. ownership group. I was surprised they even signed Benintendi, truthfully. I actually was mildly surprised, too. Uh, I think the problem is they were kind of mismanaged of how high they would go. The fact is, if you're a contender and you're going to spend 180 million, don't don't spend don't plan on spending 180 million if you're not later planning to spend 210 million or something, because you get your cheapest seasons earlier earliest in your contending cycle if you're a team that's on kind of a cycle. It gets more expensive to keep competing as you get on because the reasons that you are a good team was a lot of cost-controlled players, and they likely became a lot less cost-controlled. So you have to have kind of those reinforcements. Uh, there's uh, a disputed anecdote from uh, the uh, invasion of France in World War II that allegedly uh, uh, Churchill asked the the French marshal, I forget which one was still the commander at the time, uh, where the reinforcements were, and that his answer was there aren't any, and that's kind of where the White Sox are. They're in a position where they need reinforcements, either in system or uh, financially, and there are none. There's no tactical reserve in retreat. Any army which you know doesn't have a reserve is kind of going to be in trouble. Uh, and last. Last year for the White Sox, where a lot of things went wrong and they didn't have that reserve, it was a little like the Ardain Forest, uh, the Germans coming through. I got to be careful before I make Nazi references on a baseball show because that's a weird thing to do. But it's kind of the position that the White Sox are in, the French army. <laughs> you know, when, you, when you're adding Victor Reyes and Billy Hamilton already on minor league contracts, I think that speaks to your own concerns with your depth. <laughs> yeah, if... Uh, if you're adding players and people are surprised that they're still in baseball, it's like, oh, wait, that's right. Billy Hamilton's still in baseball. That's not a good idea. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Giants and Carlos Correa, everyone knows that he's in baseball. Yeah. Billy Hamilton, you're like, oh, wait, did, was he a pinch runner for something last year? And yeah, that's not a great sign. Even like, like I'm not saying Victor Reyes is a, a great player. He got quite a few at-bats last year. And for a player like him to be like, Oh yeah, I'll take a minor league contract right now. Feels to me that like that's like as a player being willing to accept a minor league contract before Christmas when you played in ninety six games a year ago speaks to like him viewing a very easy pathway to potentially getting time in the majors. That that's not going to stay minor league. I mean, put it this way: he was a player that wasn't good enough for the Tigers to retain. Did you? And if anyone who saw that offense last year, if you don't make that offense, that's not a great sign for your future. I feel like his his eighty five runs created plus had to have been top ten on the team, right? Like that 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 for that team, I mean that's that's above their average. Yeah, second it, to Eric Haas, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, they, they didn't have a single starter with an OPS plus of hundred, which is pretty bleak. I mean. Uh, I mean, Torkelson was was terrible. Scope was terrible. I mean, everyone was terrible. It was, uh, it was Haas was the only bright spot as a as a hitter. I feel like. I mean, I half joked that that signing Michael Lorenzen was going to be their second best hitter. It was a half joke, but maybe it's not. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if they signed a picture, he wouldn't be their second best hitter. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner might be their second best hitter if, if they traded for him. Uh, obviously, that, that's a bit of hyperbole. Uh, but, uh, I mean, Miguel Cabrera was terrible, but nobody kind of noticed he was terrible because he wasn't so much more terrible than the rest of the team. Uh, the Tigers are not a danger to the Guardians this year in all likelihood. <laughs> Just to keep this on topic. I don't see no. it. Yeah, no, it's a it's a weird division. I think we can just go ahead and say it is a very f- weird division. And as uh, Guardians fans, we uh, may be a little bit lucky right now um, with some of the track record of uh, teams and uh, development and the like. Uh, but at least the Tigers, you know, I'll give them credit. They're doing some new things. They was it they hired the pitching coach. Uh, Know, some uh, from Iowa doing some new thoughts. So I'll be curious to mm-hmm. see what they do. They're trying some ways to fix it, but we are at almost an hour, Dan, you've given us so much of your time. We appreciate uh, having you on and letting us like talk about very random things as well as talk about this guardians team. Uh, I know like zips is always one of those things that I very much look forward to seeing. Uh, it's, it's always something that ends up being like multiple shows and then talking about when the prospect list come out as well. And, um, it's it's kind of a off season uh, gift that keeps on giving. If you're, you know, if you're a fan of baseball or if you're someone like us doing a show, it's uh, it's a fun wealth of information. So thank you for the time and and just for continuing to put out, uh, you know, a, a system that is entertaining and informative. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I'm always enjoying talking shop. Yes, that was uh, fun. No, this was this was great. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening, rating and reviewing, downloading. It helps uh, YouTube count. I know I should already be in there letting people know we are we are we had another little jump. So I want to thank everyone who has joined us in the past few uh, days. We're getting close to 1,300 followers on the YouTube. So thank you all. Or no, I'm sorry, 1,135. I, I dyslexic. I transpose things. So we're getting close to 1,200. So thank you all. Um, I think that's about it. We're, you know, we are technically in the off season, so may not be five days a week. We are figuring that out. We will let you know. And one at the way we always do. Go, go, Guardians, go.